Welcome back or welcome to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about all things triathlon, whether it be pre-race talks, race recaps, or just answering questions y'all have about the sport. I'm Erin Oliphant, age group triathlete and USAT level one triathlon coach. Um, I also specialize in swim analysis. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Caleb Bowker, who is a professional triathlete, a USAT level two coach, and a mother of two beautiful boys. Um, as a reminder, if you have any questions for us, you can submit those at whereyourfeettakeyou.com-podcast. So we love answering those questions for you, so just keep them coming in. Uh, Kayla, how are you doing this week? Good. Doing good. We Let's see. I had a recovery week. So I've got Cabo 70.3 coming up here in about a week. And I had a bit of a adaptation week last week. So we found, um, which is actually kind of a good point because we did have a question on it, but, um, we, I had done a little bit of a block into it and it like really raised my, well, my coach was building up my plan for the, that week. She noticed that my TSB number in training peaks was really, really negative. Um, like it made this huge jump. And so for those of you that are wondering, the TSB number is kind of just a way to kind of look at your fatigue or the amount of work that you put in. And the more negative that it is, kind of the higher fatigue, so to speak, that you most likely have built up. So we did a bit of an adaptation week and then put in doing another big build week this week into uh, Cabo 70.3 here in a week. So. Um, a little bit of recovery day today after three pretty hard days, uh, which is good. I kind of needed it. Um, I was feeling really tired after three solid hard days. And then I've got three more hard big days coming up here in a little further to round out this block into uh, Cabo. We're really trying to keep my intensity high to try to find some speed again. So it's been good. I'm really happy with how training's going lately, which... That's awesome. I haven't heard you say that in a long time. No, I think we spent most of this whole year (laughs) in the podcast saying that I was not happy with it. So (laughs) uh, I just, I feel like I, like I was able to do, we did 400 yesterday and I did a lot of them on like 620 to 615, which is a lot more normal of pacing. This is 600s running, correct? 400s running. Yeah, Yeah. definitely not swimming. No, I can get under six minutes for swimming. So, um, but yeah, so that's good. Running's kind of been my, my running's always been my marker for me. Like kind of like you kind of in swimming, like swimming's kind of like when you're feeling really good and you're nailing your swims, like, you know, you're feeling really good running that way for me. Like, and it has not been that way this year. Like I have not been able to touch 620 pace in all year. I, I don't know why I, I can't totally pinpoint it. Um, but finally able to kind of start feeling that again. So hopefully that means that Cabo is going to go well, uh, cause it's looking like it's going to be a serious race. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. You did, always... I te- did I text you the, the start list? No, but I've seen it. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one <laughs> actually. It is. There are some serious names on there um, that, you know, are pretty good contenders for, you know, top women, actually. And part of me loves it 
Like part of me loves that they're going to be there because I like racing the top women because it also raises the points availability for the race. So if you do well, you get more points. But at the same time, part of me is like, y'all have made your money this year. <laughs> like you've done your done your job. Let some of us other people in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not how it works. And that's not how the sport is. And it's not why, you know, you, you want competition at the same time because competition brings out the best in you. But you do. Like that, that's but it, would also, it would also be nice if you win money and your travel expenses would be paid for. It really would be. It'd be it'd be really helpful to to like end this twenty twenty four season out with a couple of good performances to like maybe spark some more conversations with you know sponsorships and stuff if possible. But hey, it's what it is. Yeah, I, you know I can't control can't control who was on that start list. So um, yeah. yeah, looking forward to it. So it's been a good yeah, been a good week and yeah, just looking forward to racing here another week or so but how are you you have some fun news you decided on something <laughs> i decided i did not want my season to be over yet so i signed up for indian wells i semi predicted this about two months ago everybody <laughs> i had a feeling i don't know why like i had a feeling and i told you that we should sign up for indian wells you weren't really sure about it because you were like last year, Kona was just rough and it really just wore you out. But I just had a feeling and I told you to do it. Here we are, ready to roll. <laughs> and two months ago, I did not have that feeling. Even like what got me through the run at Kona was you're done after this. You can take as much time as you need. Like we're going to defer Texas. We're not even going to worry about that. Like you don't have to race for a while. And that was my attitude for like the few days after the race. And then all of a sudden a flip switched. And I was just like, I want to race again. Like I want to do Texas and I want to do a 70.3 before Texas. Um, So unpacked my bike last night and i'm racing indian wells i love it i love it indian wells i think is a good race for you that's why i wanted you to do it previously because i think it's a good race for you so cold water swim you do well in cold water i'm really nervous for it because (laughs) that is cold um flat bike that you can just power your way through and it is a strength-based run um which you know you're you are a strength-based athlete at the moment so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's obviously very easy to get to from Phoenix, which was a big part of it because I don't have to invest that much money into this one. Um, just, and I still like my November, the end of October, all of November is extremely busy. Um, so we'll see how, uh, not doing a ton this next month is going to go, but I do know my body pretty well and I do hold an aerobic base very well. So it's just going to be a matter of staying sharp, doing some more intensity stuff the next month. Um, Just seeing how it goes because I am not in town, I think a single weekend of November. Which is fine. We'll totally, you know, you totally (laughs) work through those things. Like you said, I like how you said that though, because that's so true for what, 
how you can manipulate training to fit what it is that you're trying to do. We know that you've built this big base over the year, right? We've put in, right, you trained for Coeur d'Alene and you trained for Kona. And even though the training was quote unquote messy, it's still a whole year's worth of time that you've put into something. So now we ride that fitness and the adaptation that you've got physiologically from Kona because what a lot of people don't, you know, we even briefly touched on this in the in the last week's podcast is that you can gain a huge amount of fitness from a full distance race if you recover properly and you definitely have we've recovered you know you've recovered very nicely and so we ride that fitness we keep you sharp we do some you know shorter more intense efforts and then you just go out there and you have some fun yeah and and that's what it's all about like i think as long as somewhere in the u.s gets snow that whole thanksgiving week i'll probably be skiing it's like it's just for fun. I want to race. And that's what this one is all about for me is just going out and racing and seeing how it goes. So I'm really excited for it, despite it might look messy. But the last two have looked messy and they've turned out okay. So you know what? At the end of the day, training, the journey, it's always it's never going to be perfect. It's always going to be messy and in some form or the other. Like I bet you you ask any single person out there pro age gripper it's always kind of messy it's always got ups and downs that just you know and we ride it we ride the wave and go from it from there um but i'm excited for you to race so now we've got um total of, i think we have four where if you take you athletes if i'm counting in my head properly racing at indian wells um Woo! which will be a lot of fun so it's a fun race uh, everybody seems to love it um i've never done it yet but people like it it's a great spot to go. Like you said, it's easy for you and I to get to. It's like a so three-hour drive. So yeah, I wish the run was on the actual golf course and not the cart paths. But I just really like running on golf courses. Pieces, piece of it, pieces of it are a little small. Oh, nice. Okay, there are some. There are some segments, kind of like uh, uh, how St. George was. Like there are segments yeah. Yeah. that were on it. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My so body enjoys the break of the fairway mm-hmm. on the joints. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, there's a good section of it that is on on grass. Um, cool. So it can it, it can be a bit of a slower run oh, because yeah. it does have some grass and it has slow run. <laughs> That's not true. That is not true at all. Is it a carbon shoe run? Isn't this the one where people say there's a lot of turns, so it might not be a nice carbon shoe course i uh no i think it's out it's an out and back if okay. i remember correctly oh, okay and out, cool. out and back on the cart park cart path slash golf course okay um, we'll talk about it later i mean not yeah. that i've even worn carbon shoes in a race yet but <laughs> thinking about it yeah i that's a whole you and i you, know, you and i are having issues with carbon shoes i just now i'm trying my i think i've gone through every brand this year um i just tried out so i wore the nikes in augusta and did okay with them, but I f- finally got my feet looked at, and I have pretty big Morton like calcification or Morton's neuroma on in both my feet, and so the carbon shoes aggravate that, and I have yet to find a pair that don't aggravate it so bad that it takes me like two weeks to be able to walk on hard surfaces without shoes, and so I just re- tried the. Hoka Rocket X2s yesterday during my mm-hmm. run. And for the first time, 
I left the run with no feet pain, foot pain. My Ooh. didn't aggravate my neuroma. So they're a little bit heavier than, or they feel heavier on my feet than a lot of the other ones. But to have to get through 50 minutes of running with no aggravation could be worth it. <laughs> for yeah, for sure. I mean, so. my issue, I actually like carbon shoes on my feet for the most part because my issue is, well, I have bunion issues and issues with that ball joint and carbon shoes actually kind of eliminate the use of that, which mm. helps me. Um, but I, I'm having an issue with finding any shoe. Like any shoe right now is giving me awful blisters on the back of my Achilles. Um, yeah, we can't figure that one out. You've tried different socks. I've tried socks. different socks. I've tried different brands of shoes. Like, I don't know. I'm going to go to, um, I think it's called Cadence and Chandler again and have them, like, actually look at my feet and try different sizes of shoes because something's up. Like, I yeah. should, my Achilles at this point is, like, calloused. Like, it should not be blisters. <laughs> no, it shouldn't. But it is, yeah, and and they're big blisters too. I know this because you sent me a picture, oh, yeah. and it's like big blisters, yeah. and it makes not- no sense. Oh, in yeah. other news, I lost my second full toenail today since Kona. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I chatted with Danielle today, and she said the same thing that she let her feet get really soggy at Kona, and she has now lost two toenails. Yeah, so. I I'm at two and a half. So. Yeah. That is a word of advice to everybody. When you are doing a race, try to keep your feet dry. So whether if there are people out there spraying, like either ask them to spray high up or say no. And when you're dumping water on yourself, dump it back. So like a lot of times people will try to just dump it straight down their front and that's going to run directly into your shoes. But if you kind of dump it a little bit back, like kind of over your back and over the back of your head, it does prevent as much from going into your shoes. I learned that the hard way from Kona 2018, where I couldn't walk afterwards. Aaron <laughs> and Danielle are now learning it the hard way as well. <laughs> yeah. And the spraying was fine. The issue was they had cut like the top off those water gallons and was pouring the water gallons directly over people's head. And I let a oh. like 10 year old boy do it because I mean, it sounded great. And then immediately I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <So> no. <shoes. laughs> yeah. Which if you raced in California last weekend, oh, uh, you could not avoid that because the rain no. was so out of control. Um, it looked so bad wet. luck for weather. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it brings me to a really good point, actually, because uh, one of our athletes, uh, Julia, raced it, and she messaged me talking about because we had been really talking about her nutrition a lot in it. But what I'm and what I'm getting at here is what she texted me when she said, "One, she's like, I nailed my nutrition." And I was like, "That's awesome." Um, and she was because she was she has a hard time doing it sometimes when it gets really wet and stuff. People have a hard time um, getting their nutrition in. But she said, even with the pouring rain, I was able to nail my nutrition, and. She goes, it actually really helped me to focus on making sure that I executed my nutrition to a T to not think about the rain. And I said, that's a really good point. I wanted to bring it up here because it is such a good point because it's kind of a really important 
mental performance or high performance tool that you can use in races in order to kind of stave off negative thinking or thinking about things that are kind of outside of your control and then having you spiral to focus on something that is productive and is maybe an execution point. For example, your nutrition. So I thought, you know, maybe you and I could each share kind of something that we tend to focus on either on the bike or the run that helps kind of stay present within that space, because that's your most powerful space is when you are very present within it. So um, since you just raced an Ironman, what did you focus on the most to really kind of stay present in, you know, the bike and the run? Um, Or what does you normally think about? So at Kona, it was a bit different. Like Kona, the whole bike ride, I was more thinking like, don't get a drafting penalty. Like just be really cognizant of that because I was riding with a lot more people than I was used to riding with, um, which actually helped time fly by because I'm kind of used to being out there solo TTing it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But usually for me, I'm focused on cadence. And on the run, I'm really focused on my breath um, Mm -hmm. and just keeping kind of my heart rate down a bit through the power of breath. Which is a really powerful one because it can really keep keep you very, very like calm, like you said. Um, Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing is, is just taking it segments at a time. Um, For me, that's a big one on the run and just like focusing on what I need to do to get to the next aid station. Um, yeah. which is that breath, just keeping your feet moving, um, especially moving forward. It's cadence on the bike and the run, um, the run way more so than the bike, but yeah. Yeah. We're going to work on your cadence through the postseason. It's not good. <laughs> like Very for low. all our listeners, my cadence is constantly at 160 and that yeah, is very low. not great. So no, we want to get you closer to 180. Yeah, you know, I'd take Um, 170 at this point. mm -hmm. And it's just because so, you know, when you have a really low cadence like that, you're not optimizing forward motion, you're putting all your energy into the ground. That's when you can create niggles because maybe there's potential that you're overstriding or even understriding. Honestly, it's um, you have too much like like you said, your contact with the ground is very long. And we want to be really fast off of the ground. Um, for anybody that wants to watch anybody, like how you should run, go watch Annie Haug run. Beautiful. That is how you should be running. And so you want to watch that. She's got a slight for- slight forward lean. So you slightly lean from your ankles. You don't lean from your hips. You lean from your ankles. If you imagine, way to practice this is if you'd imagine like standing next to a wall and then like fall into the wall from your ankles, that's kind of the same thought process that you want to have in running. So if you imagine kind of falling forward from your ankles, you're driving your knee up towards almost not parallel, but you could think about that. And then you have kind of that high kickback where you actually feel your, um, you want to feel your uh, hamstrings actually engage. Um, And that really can help so that when you're, when you're, prevent niggles and, and, and injuries because then what's happening is you're actually landing underneath your whole body and then your body is actually absorbing it versus 
just like your shin, like the, the skeletal bones that are maybe smaller. So then your whole body's actually absorbing impact. Um, and that's not the best like scientific explanation, and but you can go faster if you're taking more steps per minute. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. So it's not as the one thing that people always do is when they think, Oh, I need to get faster is they, they increase their stride length, but you actually want to increase your cadence. Um, that's actually something that my cadence for some reason this year has dropped and I've been working really hard to kind of increase it. And so yesterday I actually finally felt it come back and it really came from that, that forward lean for me. So getting that slight lean from the ankles, then you're able to really, like, I always imagine a horse pawing the ground. Like that's what I imagine my feet doing like that look and that for me, that's a visual that helps like get that cadence up. Yeah. We'll try some different things, some more drills, some drills, uphill, uphill stride work. Um, yeah, is a really, really good way to get your canes up because right when you run uphill, you have to drive your knee because you got to get your foot up higher because you're right. It's going up. So uphill stride work. So not necessarily hill reps, but literally doing strides uphill so 20 seconds of you know a stride going uphill and then coming back down and doing the same thing and really getting kind of that neuromuscular repeat of into your system of hey this is how this feels and then transferring it and i've watched you run up hills right we did hill reps in spokane that year and when you did those hill reps your form was a million times better um and so we just want to start to kind of implement that a little bit more Yep. So that's the goal for kind of off season dash my extended season, which I think leads into some of our questions for the week about yes. off season. We got a lot of questions about off season. They all were very similar. So we're kind of just going to chat off season. They were a lot of them were how should an off season look? How do you program an off season? Do you take an off season? What is an off season? Like that's what the questions were. Um, so I think we'll just kind of chat a little bit um, about off season because for a lot of athletes, they are either in it or it's coming up soon. You know, there are some races here. We've got quite a few races still that are coming um, with, you know, Cozumel, Cabo, Arizona, Indian Wells. Um, so there are some big races in the northern or we're not the northern hemisphere, whatever hemisphere we are. We're on the the North American area i guess we technically are in the northern northern hemisphere but like cozumel i think technically is in the southern hemisphere yeah (laughs) um so anyways off season um is is one i think that sometimes people get really mixed up about because it's actually one of the most important seasons in that you really can make a lot of progress in the off season. And I like to personally call it the post season because when you use the word off, instantly people go off, meaning exactly what it means. Whereas if you think of it as more of a post season, so the end of your season, after your season, you can actually use it as a time to really work on your weaknesses, your strengths, you and a lot of those things. And so it's a really important season um, that 
can be utilized to, again, work on weaknesses and, and strengths, but also give you a little bit of flexibility in space. Um, and I think it's one that people get, again, people get wrong sometimes. Um, and it's going to look different for everybody depending on, you know, the things that you like to do. So it's a good time frame to do pieces that maybe you don't normally do. Gravel riding, mountain biking, trail running, skiing, cross-country skiing, um, hiking, you know, throw in the activities that maybe during the big season you don't have as much time for. But they, then you still use the other spaces to work on kind of some of these other pieces that, you know, don't, you don't, that you maybe, you know, we need to create more space for than we normally do. Um, I think yeah. it's also a great time to do more workouts with friends and whatnot because, or like go to a fitness class once a week that you really enjoy um, because the intention of each workout becomes less important in a way. Like it's easier to move things around in a schedule when you're further out from a race. Um, yep. So if you want to go out and do a ride with a friend and they've got sweet spots programmed, for instance, like you can probably make sweet spots work that day and just text your coach like, hey, I'm doing mm -hmm. sweet spots. Can we move my next sweet spot workout? Or just it's just way easier, I think, to make adjustments in the post off season, um, whatever you want to call it, than it is when you're four weeks out from a race. Yeah. It's also a really good time frame. It's it's a time frame where you can really build and it's an important time frame to really build kind of a big aerobic base. So a lot of sessions are going to look I hate to say this, but sometimes postseason, off season sessions can be very boring from like a what they should look like because they are very aerobically based. Because what we're trying to do is spend a block of time basically building fitness so that then you can, again, it's, everything's like a layer. You have this base layer that you're creating and you create that during the postseason that is strength and power and aerobic fitness. And then in the race season, you build on your race specific training. Um, so, you know, a lot of times in the postseason, it might just be go out for a two hour ride and go enjoy it. Like, Ride your gravel bike, ride your mountain bike. Like you said, go ride with a friend. Um, just longer aerobic work that feels, maybe even feels like you're not quote unquote doing anything, but is very, very important to building resilience muscular, muscularly, skeletally, and, and even neurologically. Um, and making time for the things that are, that you, again, like you said, you like to ski. And skiing is actually a really good aerobic builder as well. So it would no, be better like, if I was doing some backcountry skiing and hiking up the hill instead of taking a lift. But <laughs> still good. Still burns the legs. It's, when it you're coming still down. burns the legs. It still burns the legs. But like, like even happy. even like Paul Finlay and Eric, like they're talking about that today. Like how in their postseason they like they like to ski, and so maybe they'll do an hour super easy ride in the morning. And then they'll ski the whole afternoon. Like you can make room for these pieces by adjusting your schedule to fit those. So you're still getting a lot of benefit, but you're doing the things that you love to do. Kind of Not that we don't love triathlon training, just sometimes it's nice to enjoy the other hobbies as well. Yeah. 
It is. It's like for me, I'm hoping to do a lot more gravel riding this year mm-hmm. now that I live somewhere where I can ride year round compared to Spokane. Yeah, that will be nice. Maybe one day I'll get a gravel bike and can join you. You should. That would be I guess fun. if anyone's interested in buying a Cervelo P3 or trading it for a gravel bike, I am open to it. <laughs> there you go. See? And we can do some gravel riding because there is great <laughs> gravel riding in uh, Arizona. Or yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, you know, so one of the things that I think is important with the postseason is one, you know, communicating with your coach, like, hey, what is it that you want to achieve for the next year? Because that's also important. Um, and then through that, you know, hey, what what can I, you know, what is it that I need? So like oftentimes I may have athletes um that what I do, they just all they need is they want the structure still there, but they just need a little bit more flexibility. And so what I'll do is I'll provide option days. What I mean by that is I'll put in two different sessions and I'll say, here's option one, here's option two. And that way they have the flexibility to pick. Because sometimes it's like that way you don't have feel like you have the structure or the the structure's not the right word, but the like I have to do this session. But maybe you have a bike and a run on there and you don't feel like riding your bike. But yeah, you know what? I want to go out and do that run. That sounds fun. And so then you're picking something that feels a little bit more natural instead of feeling like you have to do something. Um, and I'll often do that for athletes for about a month um, just to kind of, again, give after their last race to give a lot of flexibility to choose what really, you know, kind of work feels better in in this in the time frame. Um, and then. Um, yeah. So postseason, it's not as long as you think it is usually too. Like if you think about it, like, cause racing starts early for a lot of people. Yeah, it can. You know, Oceanside is April 4th. If you're doing Oceanside. Um, I am know. not. Yeah. <laughs> I've made no, that very clear. Aaron is not. <laughs> I might. I don't know. I was actually talking with Brandon. Like, and this is actually the next. Next other question is race planning. No, so someone asked a question on. I enjoy how that. Do, yeah. How do we plan our race seasons? And I think this is a good one because it looks different for you than it does for me now. Because it looks different as an amateur than it does a pro. Because the way we plan races is very different. Um, yeah, I bet it's also different for you with the Ironman announcement of the pro race series. Yes, very different with that. And I was talking with Brandon about that because I previously had said I don't want to do an Ironman at all next year. I want to just do 70.3s. However, with this new series, Ironman races score a lot more points. And so you can take like 10th in a Ironman distance race and score more points potentially than taking like second or third at a 70.3. So it really favors doing a full distance Ironman because the more points you have, the higher up you get into the rankings. And then, you know, your potential for bonuses at the end of the year gets higher. There are still races that, especially at the 70.3 distance, that are marked as pro races where there's a prize pool, but they're not part of the series, correct? Correct. So there's a total of 18 races across the whole world that are in this series. And only those 18 are part of that points system. And then there's a, all the other races potentially that are pro races that have a prize money that are not part of that series. 
Do you think the prize money races that aren't part of the series are going to have less competition at them? Like, do you think it will be easier to earn money? Like, I am thinking, like, Mm -hmm. what's your strategy for this? It's going to be a mixture. You're right. Okay. Because that is something to think about because most, especially because, right, we also have now the PTO series as well, Mm -hmm. where the top a lot of the top athletes in the pro field are going to be signed either signing contracts or wanting to race in the PTO field because the prize purse is so big and the potential for money, winning money is, and, and visibility is very high. And then you also have the top ones that, that are wanting to be a part of the pro series, Ironman pro series. So that will leave these other races that do not have, that are not part of either, either one of these series open for people who are, hopefully like myself, kind of on that mid-pack to edge of the chase front pack, whatever you want to call it, to hopefully maybe get some better results because we're not racing people like Paula Findlay and Jackie Heron and Tamara Jewett um, to get better results, which would then, one, hopefully help us to make a living in the sport and to potentially get you know more sponsors because then you have you know maybe a top three versus a top 10 um so it's a combo of mix for me it's going to be a combo of mixing to try to get some points to get myself my goal next year is to get into the top 50 in the iron man pro series because then i would get a five thousand dollar bonus because top 20 through 50, or maybe it's 10 through 50, are going to get a $5,000 bonus. If you get into the top 10, you get a much bigger yeah. bonus. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be... So that's how, as a pro athlete now, you're going to be looking at how, you know, okay, which ones are in the pro series? Which ones can I, you know, what, for me, it comes down to also like, what can I afford to travel to with the family? Cause I, I have the family component. Um, and you know, then which ones make sense that are not in that pro series that I could potentially maybe win some prize money and some, or some placing, which would then just boost my profile. That's very convoluted, but fun at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's how you look at it from a pro angle. It involves strategy. I think like anything that involves strategy, I really like. You know, I I didn't know that that was going to be a piece when I'm like, didn't think about that, but it's actually kind of fun to like really look at it from like, okay, if I do this, that could do this for this, you know, this could potentially mean this kind of prize money or not, or, you know, so it, it does add another layer that is kind of fun. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Erin, you are looking at it from a different angle. Yeah. I just sign up for races that excite me, um, that I can also, that justify financially. So like, yeah, Ironman Switzerland excites me, but that is not a financially feasible option. (laughs) Um, So it's the races that excite me paired with what my work schedule looks like. I work for a endurance event company um, where we do a like two week cycling event in the middle of June and a two week cycling event in the middle of July, both of which I am gone for and have very limited time to train. So me doing a race in 
June, July, August, early September, September, early September, like when nieces is just not very reasonable. Maybe I can do a September race if it's a 70.3, but definitely not an Ironman distance race. Um, so those are the main factors that I think about. So like Texas, I want to go back to that course. Um, I loved the energy that that run course has. I might be in the rare minority where I really enjoy three loop run courses. Um, it's a way that my head can kind of handle it much better and I can strategize a bit better. Um, and I kind of want that flat and fast course. I kind of just want to rip it on the bike. So yes, um, that race excites me. And then next year, that's the only one I have on my schedule right now. I don't, I think I might do Boulder 70.3, but I'm waiting to see which day I need to leave for Ride the Rockies, um, which is my work event and hoping that I can get that done before I leave. And after that, I don't know. Life's kind of up in the air for that point. And maybe I'll want to do another Ironman. And if that's the case, I'll probably do Ironman Florida because I've heard that's just a phenomenal race. Um, but I don't know if I'll want to do two Ironmans next year or if after Texas, I really want to just do some 70.3 focused work. So we'll see. That's kind of my thinking about everything. Obviously when there's a championship race I'm aiming for, it becomes a bit different when I have to get a qualification spot. Um, but that this year I'm not, but I know in the future it's, also going to be different because Ironman just announced a different way they're doing women's Kona slots or world champ slots. I don't know if that's going to be long term though, or if that's just for it's just for niece. So niece. yeah, I don't know. So like, there was one. I don't know how thoroughly you read the bullet points, but there was one bullet point that made it very like discretionary on Ironman's front who they can invite. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised, at least for Nice, it will be different for Kona, I'm sure. But for Nice, if they kind of invite some of just the all-world all athletes, um, whether that be gold or silver, um, I could see them doing that if their numbers are down. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously, if you get an invite through just a random email to your inbox, that can also change your schedule a bit. Um, because you might not have to do a full distance Ironman that year. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, and the other piece on that you're talking about qualification pieces is something to think about is, right, so if we're talking about, okay, I do have a qualification, the next question you could ask yourself too is, okay, if I do want to qualify for Kona 2025 as a woman, you know, being a woman, maybe that does mean I do a late season Ironman because yeah. then I qualify early. So, right, these are the questions – you know, when you're trying to race plan, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what is it that I want to accomplish? Am I wanting a, an early qualification to a world championship slot? You know, for say, again, if we're talking Kona 2025, for example, well, maybe that yeah. means you and need that's to where do Ironman Florida this year could be great. Exactly. I just Florida, Cozumel, Arizona, Chatton, like those mm -hmm. are all later season ones. So then you ask you, so you ask yourself that question. Number one piece that I loved that you started off with was that, especially for amateurs, um, is what excites me. Like, that's got to be your focus. Like, is this exciting? Do I want to go to this race? Yeah. Right? Because you got to train for it. It's hard. And if you want to go for it, 
if you want to do the race, then you're going to be more disciplined in your training. I think that's an important piece to think about. Yeah. Um, kind of on racing here, we had a question on what was our, what's our post-race food that we like? What did you have in Kona? Oh, in Kona, I went straight for the pizza after the race. Um, which it, I guess at Coeur d'Alene, I did that too, but I think it's just because it's easy to grab. I'm not really a yeah. huge pizza person, um, but in the athlete food tents, there's only so many options and it's just easy. Um, but once what you get I outside usually, of that, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> outside of that, love a good milkshake. Um, Ooh. love anything ice cream and I feel like I can have all the ice cream I want and not feel bad about it. Um, but French fries, classic, love good fries, chicken nuggets, kind of like all the child food, I guess. What is it about? I agree. Cause something about child's children's food. I become like a child after an Ironman. Yeah. <laughs> Like one after Texas this year, I just wanted chicken fingers. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> chicken fingers. One year for after Kona, I wanted a hot dog. I hate hot dogs; they're disgusting. Oh, after Kona this year, I really just wanted Kraft mac and cheese. So we went to CVS, and my mom got me and made me some Kraft mac and cheese, and that was delicious. Delicious, <laughs> which is also child's food. Child's food, yes. <laughs> Trust me, I make it almost every night for my kids because that's the only thing they they eat. We have we rotate three things in our house: corn dogs, mac and cheese, and pizza. That's the only <laughs> things that they ever want to eat. Oh man, to be a kid and that's all you have to eat. Yeah, I I agree. So those are some of mine. I go back and forth with like what I want. Like sometimes I do want like a really healthy salad because I've had so much sugar that I just feel like I need something to like cleanse that palate. Um, but my number one go-to is I always want Starbucks. Afterwards. Oh, oh yeah. You like coffee after you race, mm -hmm. right? A, a hot latte or a mocha. It's gotta be hot. Can't be iced because I feel like the hot like soothes my throat. Cause I'm usually like, I feel like my throat hurts after racing. Mm -hmm. And I am pretty sure if I didn't have the caffeine, I would just fall asleep, which probably would not be a bad thing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so like one last, last year at Kona, the Starbucks was not open, I don't think. And I was so upset because I, there was no <laughs> Starbucks open and that's all I wanted was a Starbucks and I could not get it. <laughs> it was not Aww. okay. <laughs> And so I had to go without my coffee, and it just was not the same. I think my, my parents tried to, like, do something that was similar, and it just did not. It was not the same. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my post-race food that, in my opinion, just eat whatever sounds good. You just need to eat anyways. So eat what you can um, and enjoy it because you deserve it. You do. For sure. Iron Man. Um, okay. So kind of on um, a little bit of a side, not a kind of side direction that we're going to go from what we've been talking about. But we had a question on self-confidence that was just very blanket. It was a very blanket statement, but it was just um, 
how do you improve your self-confidence? And I thought this was very timing because I actually was talking with my mom about self-confidence a little bit because she's having, she has an issue with confidence in golf and she always needs the external validation to provide her with confidence. But if you wait for external validation to create your confidence, (laughs) you're never going to be confident because most likely you're never going to find it. And I really found this quote about this idea that self-confidence is not found, it's built to be a really powerful thought process in really focusing on you are the one that has to choose your confidence. You are the one that has to gets to choose how you believe in yourself. And you are ha- the one that has to work at it every single day. Like your external validation is not going to give it to you. It's what you do kind of every single day and the choices that you make. Um, and I know this is something that you've been working a lot on, um, you know, over this, these years and how we've really worked for you to remove confidence from data, so to speak. Um, <laughs> that's not even the right word, but, rem- yes. but that concept um, and to just... I mean, I think I even told it to you before, Kona, like, just straight up believe in yourself. Like, well, I had no data to back at least the bike, the swim and the bike performance at Kona. I had no data to back mm-hmm. that those were going to be good um, at all. Like, my bike power had been so far below what I was used to seeing. Um, so it really did come down to just like having that firm belief in myself without anything else to back it, except knowing that I can do it. Um, And for me, a lot of that does come from affirmations. And it feels so silly at first to say like, I am strong, I am powerful, whatever in a mirror every day. Um, But if you say it enough times, you really will start to believe it. And you do feel really stupid at first, but I promise just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. I like that you said that because it does feel stupid and it does feel silly and it feels very trivial. Um, but it is, it, it, you have to say it over and over again because it's like when you got in trouble in school when we were a kid and they made you write lines or you had to, they always, the teacher always told you to learn a math problem, you need to write it down three times. You need to do it three times, right? That repetition is what made it remember remember it. So when you tell yourself over and over and over and over again that you believe in yourself, eventually your brain is just going to believe in yourself. And it really, it is kind of like a a choice to every day, wake up and do exactly what you said, say, I can do this. I believe in myself. I, I know I know that I'm strong enough. I know that I'm capable. And finding those words that really kind of elicit that emotion, whether it's, you know, strong, capable, powerful, you know, the finding that badass bitch. Badass bitch. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like whatever. Whatever gets you going. Yes. And then yeah, like you said, say it to yourself over and over and over again. Um and there there are going to be timeframes where it, I mean, you and I can have had very similar years, kind of. I feel like where it's been very kind of rocky. Like, yeah, I did not perform to my like all year. I have not performed to my capabilities. I've been missing something all year long, and I have had to stand up every single day and still just believe that I deserve to be on this this professional field. 
And that has taken me, there is zero external validation yet to prove. I mean, it's getting there. I've had two top 10 finishes and I'm proud of those, but it's not where like they were a little bit rough. So the external validation, if I waited for external validation, I would have given up a long time ago because it wasn't there. I had to 100% just straight up believe and make a choice to internally say, yeah, you deserve to be here. And your year has been similar. Yeah. Up and down. Yeah. And if you like looked at my triathlon career, the really long two and a half year, well, really only like two years I've had in the sport. Like my first race result in terms of like pure place was my best one at Arizona 70.3, my first half Ironman ever. I was third overall female. I have not been there since. Um, But it's just believe, and I mean, I know a part of it was that just was a less competitive field than the races I've done since. Um, But I just have to keep believing that I can get, that I will be back there, that I know I'm capable of being back there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds silly because I think everybody always wants a trick for it. Right. And that's what they're asked. They want, they want the tool, they want the trick. And and there are those, there's those, those, you can, you can write, you can write affirmations for yourself. You can write gratitude lists. You can visualize you, you know, you can, um, find focal points, uh, read book. Like there's, there are things that you can do, but at the end of the day, Confidence comes down to you standing up and just saying, nope, this is me. This is what I believe in. This is my choice. I can do this. Um, and when you can, it, it's it's a choice to make. Um, I know for me, that, that was a really powerful thing that I did 10, yeah, yeah, 10 years ago now or more was I literally woke up one morning and I was like, I'm done with this life because I don't like where this is going. I don't like how I'm being treated. I don't like how I'm treating myself. And I literally woke up and looked at myself in the mirror. Again, very trivially and very silly. Like I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, that's not you, Kayla. Like that's enough. This is enough. You are done. You deserve more. Believe it. And I've told myself that every day since then. And you have to be willing to tell it to yourself every single day. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Um, yeah. I think so. I agree. Um, if we did want to do a tip and trick, though, um, the other thing I do when I am struggling, one, I think it's good to have a good coach you can talk to about it um, and give you the kick in the ass you need. Um, shout out, Kayla. Um, <laughs> and for me, the other thing is, and this sounds stupid as well. A lot of this stuff when it comes to building confidence can sound really stupid. But for me, like just having a night out where I can like put on makeup and do my hair and put on some nice clothes and like feel good about myself in that external sense too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just build that confidence that way. Or when I go ride, I put on my favorite jersey and I put on my favorite bib shorts mm-hmm. and like, I just like look good and like that's mm-hmm. stupid too, but I feel that helps me with confidence as well. Yeah. I love that. Basically what you, you know, what you're getting at is you're, you're putting yourself into, you're, you're choosing the thing or the, the something that, that makes you feel powerful, right? We're going back to this emotion. So yeah. picking things that do give you, give you confidence. I mean, maybe that 
maybe that's reading a book, right? It could be even something like that, like reading your favorite book that you love that gives you a sense of inner peace. And then that allows you to be confident. Maybe it's going out with friends. Maybe it's staying in and taking a bubble bath. Like when you're feeling really kind of low in that space, taking that stance, like exactly what you said, putting on your favorite jersey, you know, favorite hat, your favorite sunglasses, like whatever it is that makes you feel strong and confident. And then using that emotion to take you further down the road. Um, I do that too. I put on my favorite outfit, my favorite kit when I like, or if I have a really hard bike session that I know that I struggle with, sometimes I'll put on my favorite outfit, like my favorite kit that make, I just put it on and I feel like, yep. Okay. I'm, I'm a badass cyclist. I got this. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) that's a good, that's a good trick. I like that. That was a good point. And so um awesome anything else those were kind of all of our questions for today no i don't think so um yeah next week is race week for me <laughs> Woo! yeah it feels, like, it feels like a long time since i've raced but it'll have only been a month but well 24 yeah it'll have been over a month probably five weeks since augusta so I forget that you raced Augusta. I know. It feels like it was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) But it was not that long ago. Um, Yeah. So race week. And then we've got got Halloween, which is a big deal for the kids. They look so cute. I know. They're so funny. I think my dad is the most excited. He keeps saying, he's like, where are we going to go? Where are we going to start? I'm going to wear, he's like, I'm going to wear my bear costume so that I can dress up with the kids. Aww. Like, it's so fun. It's so cute. <laughs> so he's, I think my dad's the most excited. Um, and we have every night so far, a lot of places here in Verado go all out on decorating for Halloween. And there's one house that has Jack the Skeleton from nightmare before christmas and it's a favorite in the town but we have to go visit jack jack every single night and make him talk because he talks he's like this 20 foot skeleton he's huge and he talks and we have to go make jack jack talk every night so oh which boy is obsessed with that uh skylar mostly and then baylor gets on board and and he's like jack 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 Jack, the other one, the other one, Jack Jack. Because <laughs> Baylor can only say like small sentences, very small sentences. So that's what we've been up to. And that's what we've got coming up. So I've got my friend's bachelorette party this weekend. That's right. So it'll be fun. It will. I get to Turn see all my friends from college. Yeah, it's in Scottsdale. Perfect. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, we will see you guys next week. And again, if you have questions, you can either uh, send them on Instagram to Aaron or myself or head over to whereyoufeettakeyou.com slash podcast. And we will do our best to answer them uh, in each episode. So stay tuned for more and we'll look forward to chatting with you guys next week. Yeah. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah.